0: This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Right now we're talking a little
1: baseball, and a little later in the show we'll talk about Kevin Durant and his uh, (laughs) declaration. It's interesting. I want to hear what you think about it. 1-800-919-3776. Back to the phones as we continue to talk a little baseball with George. He's in the truck. What's up, George?
2: Sorry, what's going on, man? I'm usually one of the guys that listens. I don't really call. But -hmm. after that last call, Mike, from uh, the Mets fan, right? Yes. I want the Mets fan to listen up. You guys haven't won anything yet. When you guys win something, then you can talk all the crap you want. Till that time, you guys are the little brothers, will always be the little brothers, and the Yankees will never look up to you guys, ever. I could win this week, but we would never look up to you guys. You guys will look up to the Yankees always and forever That's all Larry that's all
1: now George, this is just what he was saying. Thanks for the phone call. This is just what he was talking about it's 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 the little irritation from Yankee fans all all the Mets are doing is just George we're just happy. <laughs> We're just happy to be in the situation we're in. We're happy to be in first place. We're happy, as I mentioned, that we have an owner that allows us to go after free agents who can make our team better. There is... there is. Tom, Jacob, I'm telling you. And Jacob, you know as a Mets fan. Tom, you've been laughing at the Mets for a while. You know. When free agents are available as a Mets fan under the previous ownership, you're like, for the most part, there are exceptions. But for the most part, we're not in on that. You never, did you ever hear Buster only mention, like, prime free agents? Did you ever hear Buster only mention the Mets involved in that?
3: Oh, no, no, right. Uh, (laughs) No. I want to say probably the last, like, year and a half, maybe, since Cohen took over. But besides that, every every one of those are dreams I thought of while playing uh, video games.
1: Yeah, that's when you got them. You you had to you know you had to go on PlayStation or Xbox and play MLB whatever to get it. That that's the only way you could get them. That's the only way you would get those great players. That was it. Because you weren't getting them. Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer would not even stop. He he still be with the Dodgers. <laughs> he wouldn't be here. The Mets wouldn't have even thought about getting him. So George, we are enjoying it. We're enjoying it. We're having fun. And you heard him say, "We're not." It didn't matter that we won two games against the. I even said it. Okay, we won two games against the Yankees, but it's Atlanta. It's about the division. It's about winning the division, and and going forward and getting into the postseason again and going on a run. That's what it's about for the Mets fan. Now, I'm sure there's there's now. I'm sure there are exceptions where you know some Mets fans are talking smack, right? Tom and I talked about this yesterday. There's some Met fans who just like, oh, you know, ha ha, you know? yeah, I get it. But that's not all of us. Just like there's some Yankee fans who are, you know, oh, here they go, here we go, little brother, all this stuff. Eh, you know, we're not even related. <laughs> we're not even the little brother. We're not related at all. We're just two teams in the town. Why do people think that Met fans? Why do people think that Met fans and Yankee fans are little brother and big brother? You don't hear that about Knicks and Nets. You don't hear that about Rangers and Islanders. Why is it that way with baseball? We're not related. (laughs) We're just two fan bases. And yes, the Yankees have had much more success than the Mets. No question about it. Yankees have had much more success than a lot of teams. No question about it. Mets have struggled. It's obvious. It's clear. But for this year, the Mets have played pretty well. And as of right now, both teams have the same record. Which is great for the city. When's the last time this has happened? The fact that you got both teams playing so well at the same time. That's what you focus in on. The fact that, yeah, you know, we're playing pretty good. And we got our ace back. So, you know, we're 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 feeling a little confident. And uh, George, my friend in the truck, I'm glad you called. But you understand that confidence, you know how that feels. You know when you when you've got the best the one of the best records in baseball and you're rolling, you know how that feels. That's how the Met fan feels right now. It's a good feeling. It really is. And for me, it's a good feeling because they did what they had to do against an Atlanta team that has that has been a nightmare <laughs> for the Mets. A nightmare. So that was the big thing for me, that they won four out of five against Atlanta. And honestly, for me, uh, I they need to keep it up when they go to Atlanta. They need to win that series there too. It's time to, to put them away. They're not away yet. They're close to away. But they're not away. And that's what I'm waiting for. Reds on the board. Now 3-1. Vogelbeck with an RBI to bring the, uh, give the Mets their third run in the bottom of the third. And now it's 3-1 as the Reds get on the board in the top of the fourth. A little later tonight, it will be the Yankees in uh, Seattle. This is an interesting game. Because this is a game where you're going to need tie-on to give you some length. Because you used a lot of people in your bullpen yesterday. So, and he has not been able to do that of late to give you length. So that's why you, if, if the, you need the Yankees to kind of give you, you know, you need, you need some runs to be scored. Okay. And you need uh, some, some length from tie on. That would be very helpful. Very helpful. Because yesterday, let me see. who did you use yesterday? Abreu went one in the third, gave up two runs. Loisaga gave up a run, went a third of an inning. Tavino gave up or uh, did not give up a run, had a strikeout in the third of an inning. Peralta pitched two innings, and Efros pitched one inning and gave up three runs. Okay, so you have homes available. So you have Holmes available and you have Chapman available. Hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And Litke's been horrible of late, the lefty. So, you know, you're Aaron Boone, you want to look down that bullpen, you're like, (laughs) I don't know what, I don't know what's going on. I need, I need something from that bullpen. I'm not getting it. I'm just not getting it, and I'm not happy about what I'm getting. I'm not happy. Because earlier, before last night, you could say, look, the, the game against Montgomery, Herman only gave up a run. But you lost the game 1-0. I mean, you know, that's not pitching. That's that's no hitting. Okay, so you go from that. And you get nine runs and you lose nine runs if I was Aaron Boone I'd be pulling my hair out what is wrong with this team what is going on but the Cardinals have a pretty good team and they've been hot of late so you ran into that buzzsaw now you've got Seattle and you've got uh, you know you got vengeance and payback on your mind for what they were able to do to you here at the stadium we'll discuss the Yankees next on 98.7 ESPN (laughs)
0: You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight.
1: Rich Cimini will join us in about 15 minutes to give you an update on Mekhi Becton and what's going on at Jets training camp. He left with a knee injury. And, uh, you know, Rich will give us the latest. He's going for MRI tomorrow. But, listen, uh, if you're DJ LeMay, who who hit a home run yesterday, and this is the funny thing, right? Because I know the – and I'm from this – I'm from this school of thought as well. And Gordon Davis kind of turned me around a little bit. And that is we're, we're so quick to say, Yankees are a home run or nothing team. Yankees are a home run or nothing team. They, they, they live and die by the home run. And they don't really live or die by the home run now. They have, even though the averages aren't great, they do have guys that are able to make contact and it's not home run or die. I mean, I think the only person probably, I don't know, Stanton. And even he is not home run or bust. I mean, Stanton, yeah, I would say probably his home run to hit ratio is probably more to the home run. I mean, Tom, what do you think? Uh, When you you look at your Yankee lineup right now and you think of it as a guy whose home run like when you when you're going up this home run the bus, certainly not Aaron Judge, whose average is very good and has had a bunch of clutch hits. Rizzo's had home runs, but he's had some clutch hits. Trevino's not a home run hitter. IKF has got you giving you some clutch hits. He clearly is not a home run hitter. Uh, Donaldson's a little closer to that, but he hasn't been hitting and he hasn't been hitting the home run. Hicks when he hits, not hitting home runs, more hits. So I don't know that 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 the Yankee team is home run the bus the way it's been in previous years. I think they I think they get a, a little bad rap to that. Uh are they a team that hits home are they a team that can hit home runs? Absolutely. But I don't know that they're home run or bust.
3: Yeah, I kinda get that same vibe this year at the very least. In the past few years, I would one hundred percent say it's home run or bust. When they went and they got IKF at the um in the offseason, I'm like, okay, you know what? Maybe they're gonna transition to hopefully incorporating some more contact in there we were hoping Anthony Rizzo can do that he's got a dismal batting average it was like 220 the last I saw it but I mean still a really good OBP so I mean even if he is hitting home runs he's still finding other ways to at least at least get on base so I think it's just a more disciplined approach possibly from the Yankees that we're seeing more than home run or bust I mean right now it certainly seems it because they haven't been able to really put out a whole lot other than the home run ball but compared to years past this is a much more traditional i get to say baseball team
1: yeah it appears that way i mean look at yesterday folks they had nine runs only one of one of them was a home run and nine runs so yeah i obviously when you think of yankees you do think of the home runs you think of judge going deep you think of rizzo going deep you think of stanton going deep but but that's that's it <laughs> you know gleyber torres is not that guy now Right? Gleyber Torres is more of a contact guy. He's not hitting a bunch of home runs the way he was previously. All right? LeMay, who's not a home run guy. He's, he's a guy that makes contact. So really, the Yankees, I think, have tried to become a team that is like the teams that they've been beaten by, like the Houston Astros without the cheating, like the Red Sox without the Apple Watches. Uh, they've been, those are teams, like Tampa Bay, Okay, who people say? Well, you know, they don't. They're uh, they're a team that makes contact. They're a team that hits home runs too. I mean, that Tampa Bay team when they were going to the postseason, they were launching the ball out of the ballpark. All right, so this Yankee team is a little better team with contact than previously. And and listen, that's how you win. All right, you it can't just be home run or nothing else. In the postseason, yeah, when people say, "Well, when the pitching gets better, you're not going to give up home runs," you're not going to right. Well, sometimes if the pitching is better; you can't get a hit anyway. <laughs> sometimes the home run is all you can get. You hope that the, the pitcher makes a mistake and you get it out of the ballpark. But if you make contact, you do have options to do other things. And so, I think that's what Cashman and this and this Yankee team, the Yankee brass, was going for—to have a little less rel- less reliance on the home run but to be able to make contact and play hit and run if you have to, and not small ball. I'm not talking about the Yankees are not going to start bunting runners over. That's not what they'll do, but they'll steal the base. They'll put the hit and run play on, and that's what you should do. I mean, with all the shifts that goes on in, in Major League Baseball, you have to find ways to be creative to make contact. I get to say, but hit it out of the ballpark. I don't care about average. It's about OPS. You can hit 210. If he's got 50 home runs and 110 RBIs, we're good. Yeah, I'm sure we would be. <laughs> 50 home runs, 110 RBIs, yeah, that is that is good. You're right. But you still would like your average more than 210. Because you want to be able to show that you got some hits otherwise to get some runners in. And right now, very simply, the Yankees are in a slump. And we've talked about it all year. All year. It's about the bottom of that lineup. And the bottom of that lineup has not been consistent where you can find hits that they've come up in big spots to do things. Now, having said that, as I mentioned earlier, Trevino's not bad. He's done a decent job. IKF is not bad. He's done a decent job. All right? It's the, it's the Donaldsons that is the one that sticks out. And I'm the, I don't mean to pick on him. But, I mean, you know, as the caller mentioned before, he's 222. That's not what you expected from him. I mean, Glaber was 3-for-5 yesterday. Scored two runs. He's hitting 256. But his OPS is going up because he's starting to make contact. Hey, Benintendi got a couple of hits yesterday. That's a good thing. Aaron Hicks was 3-for-4 was well, I, I don't think Aaron Hicks has had three hits in like eight or nine games combined. He was old for 25 old for 26 or something of that that nature and Trevino with catchers 268 listen if I told you at the beginning of the year that Trevino as your catcher as a tandem with Higashioka okay? was going to give you, was going to hit 10 home runs with 35 ribbies, hitting 268 and an OPS of 761, you would have taken that and run with it. Run with it. Because Sanchez wasn't hitting like that. And he's twice the defensive catcher Sanchez was. So he's doing his job. You just need to get a couple of your guys hot. You need to get something more consistent from Hicks. You need to get something more consistent right now in this lineup from Donaldson. And then if you can just hold on until your guys get back, you you see what's going on with Rizzo and his back. Maybe you can get back into the, you know, maybe you can get back into the lineup tonight. We'll see. I don't have the lineup in front of me yet. And listen, I, I get it. Yankees have lost six of seven. I get it. All right. But teams go through slumps. They do. Great play by Nike out in the left field, diving catch. Ah, here's all right. Lineups are up, and so we'll go through the lineups in a second, and then I'll tell you. Uh, I'll tell you what we've got. Um, let me see if I can get them for you. Hold on a second. And I will punch it up. But but that's that's what I'm looking for from this Yankee team, right? And I think they'll be fine. I keep saying it. I do. And once again, I'm not saying that you don't have troubles. I'm not saying that you don't have issues. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that you will overcome it. Because at least you have a cushion in your division. And I think you have enough talent to fix things so that you'll be able to get squared away and recover and be the team that you were previously. Okay? That's what I believe. And so that's, that's my basis. And I know offensively you'll be okay. I know. Definitely. I get it. I get it. one 800 3776 Also on Twitter at Hardest to ESPN, that ESPN NY 98 underscore seven. FM. Rob's in the car. What's up, Rob?
2: Hey, I, I, just, I called in. I was going to say this and then you took the words out of my mouth. The Yankees are in a slump right now for sure. Does it worry those of us Yankee fans who got used to them winning every series? Absolutely. But if you told me back in April they were going to have this record, I would have taken it. If you told me back in April they were going to have this lead in the division, I would have said you were, going to, you were crazy. There's no way they were going to put this big a lead in such a difficult division. So what I want to see is I want to see them get it right for September. I feel like they came into this, this part of the season – with a lot of good pitching and they needed some extra hitting, the trades were in that direction. Yeah, it doesn't look good when the guy you just traded pitches you into a shutout, but I think long term these were the right decisions, and I'm still hopeful that the Yankees are going to put it together and you know challenge the Astros for the American League seed in the, uh, in, the in the in the World Series.
1: Well, I, I agree with you, Rob. I think they will. I, I expect, and thanks for the phone call. I expect that that's going to be my ALCS. I really do. I really do. And our Marley Rivera reports that the Yankee manager Aaron Boone mentioned that he held held a team meeting today. Hmm. Hmm. It's that time. Team meeting. You know what that means? It means that... Uh, he felt the need to have to come in and say something. There's something he's seen that he's not happy about. Yep. We'll see. When we return, Rich Cimini has an update on Makai Becton's situation. And it's not... Well, I'll let him explain it next on 98.7 ESPN.
0: You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight.
1: Boy, I tell you, just when you thought it was going to be just a nice, quiet week for Ritsamini. He just had to count down to who was going to be available, who was going to play, who wasn't going to play against Philadelphia. He, he just had a very interesting green and white scrimmage over the weekend, and then he comes to work today, and he and the flight deck is rolling, and he's busy as heck. Hi, Ritsamini. How you doing?
0: <laughs> Hello, Larry Artisti. uh Doing well. Doing well. Uh, Busy right now as we speak with some Mackay Becton news.
1: Never dull moment, is it, my friend? What's the latest on Mackay?
0: Well, just found out a few minutes ago. You know, uh, let me just backtrack a little bit. You know, after practice today, uh, Robert Sala seemed uh, fairly confident based on the initial tests done by doctors after practice that there was really no... Nothing significant happened to Mackay with his knee. Everybody knows this was his surgically repaired knee from last September. Uh, However, they took an MRI, you know, a precautionary MRI is what they called it, and this is why they do those things. The precautionary MRI did not come back the way the Jets had hoped. There apparently is a new injury in that right knee, completely unrelated to the injury he suffered last year. And he's gonna go for more tests tomorrow, but the concern level at one jets drive right now is is elevated. And uh, I think there's real concern for Makai right now.
1: All right, so it's too early to speculate, Rich, obviously, but for the, if there are if they are that concerned, uh, you would have to say that they expect that he might be out a while. what What is the next step for them to replace him on the right side until he gets back?
0: Well, I'm also told this evening that you know Dwayne Brown, the free agent tackle who visited them over the weekend, is very much on their radar. So I think the Jets would probably be uh, prudent to make that move right now. He's probably the best available tackle, unless they're looking for the trade market. But uh, I get the sense that this Becton thing is is going to keep him out. You know, this is not going to be a one or two day injury. It's a situation where they have George Fant at left tackle and at right tackle, you know, that probably would have to use Chuma Adoga. Now, Robert Sala was was praising the Chuma Adoga and Connor McDermott today and, and every tackle on the roster, you know, praising them to the hilt. But obviously, he's a coach. He's got to do that. There's some posturing involved, especially since they're in negotiations. Well, maybe not negotiations, but they're they're, you know, trying to get Brown to sign. So there's some strategy involved there. Uh, You know, deep down, the Jets know or are very concerned about their tackle depth. So I do expect them. Now, they they signed a guy earlier today, a couple hours ago, uh, Caleb uh, Bidinash, and I'm probably mispronouncing that, but he's a a journeyman guy who's been around the league with Tampa and New Orleans. He started about 23 games. Uh, He is not the answer at right tackle. That does not replace uh, Makai Becton that's just a body on the roster I think if Makai's injury is serious and, and things are starting to point in that direction they would have to go out and get a Dwayne Brown type of guy.
1: Uh, Rich were you, did you happen to were you on the field uh, was it just happened during the media session were you able to see what happened?
0: I saw everything Larry I happen to be watching Makai you know he's we're always near the offensive line drills. So we always get a pretty good view of the offensive line drills. And I was watching him and, you know, interestingly, he, uh, he had a knee brace on starting last Friday, he put a knee brace on. And uh, so that, you know, that always perks your curiosity up a little bit. And so he was, uh, he was practicing in some O-line drills, very light O-line drills. I should, I should note. And he, did, he tweaked his knee, he did something to the knee. Uh, I think there's video out of that. I think SNY posted some video. And you could see he was really feeling some discomfort. Uh, he kept on grabbing at his brace. At first, I thought maybe he was just uncomfortable with the brace, but it was definitely more than that. But to his credit, you know he, he wanted to power through it. You know he's been criticized a lot you know for injuries and conditioning and I think he's trying to prove a point. So he goes into the team drills after that. And on the second play of team drills, he just, you know, was locked up with JFM, you know, and actually Makai was like knocked back pretty hard, which is highly unusual to see. I mean, it was like a, a giant sequoia falling backward. You know, Makai went down on his back, and I think as he went backward, I think his knee or, or his foot may have gotten caught in the grass and his knee bent awkwardly a little bit. He, was a, he took off his pads immediately, and he limped significantly I mean very very badly to the locker room stopping at one point because he, he couldn't make it and then he stopped and then kept going and so it looked bad I mean it really looked bad but then the Jets you know they thought it was okay you know that that was the initial word from the doctors but obviously it's not okay um, they don't know if it's torn I think they're waiting to get some results some more results but um, this certainly does not look good
1: Ritzamini Comes the Jets for us on ESPN, giving us an update on the Makai Becton situation. It's ESPN New York tonight here on 98.7 ESPN. Just to review, Becton left with an injury earlier. It was, you know, they didn't think it was serious, but now some tests have come back and it appears to be more serious than everybody first thought. MRI tomorrow for Becton. Rich, uh, conflicted reports. How has he looked on the other side so far this season in this in training camp?
0: Yeah, it's funny. I think I jinxed him. I wrote a story yesterday on ESPN.com saying that, you know, how thrilled the coaches were that he had participated in every practice and and virtually every rep he had taken at right tackle. And if you saw Makai about six or seven weeks ago at mini camp, you'd say there's no way this guy's going to be in training camp and, and, you know, taking every rep. But he lost some weight, came to camp at a decent decent weight, you know, for him and was was grinding through it and the coaches were pretty impressed now was he perfect at right tackle no I mean I've seen him get beat a few times Um, you know it's a new position for him he played it a little bit in college but not much so you know I would say he was really growing you know it was uh, experiencing some growing pains there on the right side but the team feels confident that with his athletic ability and size that he can be a pretty good right tackle so what will happen, I suppose, and I'm speculating here a little bit, but say they sign a, a Dwayne Brown. Dwayne has played left tackle his entire career, and I can't imagine at this point in his career they would ask him to play right tackle. So I guess they would put George fan back to right tackle and then put a, a guy like Brown at left tackle. You know, So they have some different options, and I think we'll probably know a heck of a lot more in the next 24 hours.
1: Right. Uh... Rich, let's take a little broader look at this team with, with the idea of so many teams resting guys. We already know that Lamar Jackson is not playing in, in, the, in the preseason game for Baltimore. Numbers of teams are just resting their players. As we move towards Philadelphia, do we have any idea who's going to be playing for the Jets? How many starters will actually play in that game?
0: Uh, well, I mean, Robert Salas said today that he's going to play his starters about one or two series, you know, roughly a quarter in in, uh, against philadelphia so uh interesting there i think like you said larry i think more and more teams are backing away from the preseason especially with star players um i don't (laughs) the jets don't really have anyone who would fall into that uh lamar jackson uh elite category i mean zach wilson they can't afford to lose him but he is a young player and he needs he needs as many game reps as possible, and they have so many young players around him: Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, uh, even Elijah Moore hasn't played a lot of games. Guys like that, you know, Michael Carter—they need work together, and this offensive line is going to need work together because you, you're talking about Elijah Vera Tucker at right guard, learning a new position. So, a lot of moving parts, a lot of young players, and evidently Robert Sala just wants to see get them some game action.
1: Yeah. Well, it makes sense. They do need the reps. There's no question about it, but you know, considering what happened with Carl Lawson last year in preseason, there were just so many, you know, guys that they had, that they lost rich. I was just curious to see if, uh, you know, Robert tall was going to take a different, a different approach this year with less preseason games.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a great question about Carl Lawson. We did not ask him specifically. Now he may have a different plan for Lawson. I, I certainly would not play Carl Lawson on Friday night. If I were the Jets. that's just my opinion. Um, He's having a good camp. He's having a very good camp. In fact, you cannot tell that he's coming back off a major injury. And so they don't have to get Carl Lawson ready right now. His, his job is to be ready for September 11th against Baltimore. So if I were them, I'd maybe give him, a you know, a couple of plays the following week, you know, against Atlanta. That's all Carl Lawson needs. <laughs> I mean, if that. So I, I wouldn't tempt fate in that situation, like same thing with like a CJ Mosley. I mean, does he really need to play in the preseason? I-, I don't think so. Or same with a Quinn and Williams. I would really hesitate to put those guys in.
1: Last thing, Rich, uh, how's the running backs looked up? Uh, Cause I keep hearing that this is going to be a, uh, you know, scenario where they expect more from the run game to try to take a little pressure off their young quarterback.
0: Absolutely. That's gotta be the strategy this year. I mean, that, that was the strategy last year too. I mean, the, the jets want to be a run heavy team, that relies on play action for their passing game. And I liked what Brees Hall showed the other night in the, in the green and white scrimmage. He had a couple of runs, uh, 10 and 16 yards um, showed that speed that everybody was talking about around the draft. Um, You know, again, I should note that, you know, that scrimmage was, they were in pads, but it wasn't tackle. It wasn't full tackle to the ground, you know, so it's, uh, it's different for running backs and quarterbacks when a guy's coming, you know, coming to hurt them so it's a different situation but I I, I like what I've seen from Brees Hall Michael Hunter Carter's having a really good camp as well I think the Jets are very very happy with their backfield situation they have two very promising young running backs
1: all right Rich we'll be following you as we always do to bring keep us updated on the latest with Makai Becton tomorrow when that MRI comes in thanks for a couple of minutes my friend I know you're busy
0: all right Larry always a pleasure thanks
1: all right, thank you. That's Rich Cimini. You can also catch him on the flight deck. He gives you great information. That's also, you can find that on the ESPN New York pod, you know, of New York, uh, the flight deck podcast or the ESPN New York new app that we've got. It's just fabulous. All right, what are your thoughts of the Jets? How concerned are you about Mackay Becton? 1-800-919-3776. We'll get your thoughts next on 98.7 ESPN.
0: You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight.
1: The former Met, Albert Almora Jr., what a catch. Over He took it could at least a double, maybe a home run away from Francisco Lindor. What a great play to save a run, maybe two. So the Mets now uh, still holding on to that three-run lead. As we mentioned, the Yankees will be on the way in a little over an hour and 15, 20 minutes. But our top story right now is the entry to Makai Becton. He left camp earlier today. Tweaked his knee and now looks out, it looks like it is much worse than was expected. And he might be out a little bit longer. And at this point, if you're the Jets, you have to think the worst that he's you have to look at it as we have to upgrade that position because we don't know when he's coming back. And you heard Samini. It doesn't look like something that's going to be a quick return. So you're looking, you're looking at possibly pup list for for Becton. Which will put him out at least seven weeks, at least. And you just hope that it's not as bad, but it's concerning. It's concerning if you're a Jet fan. It's not, it's, it's, that kid can't get a break, man. He just can't get a break. I mean, he finally comes to camp. You can see the progress. Coaches are happy with him. He's learning a new position. He's working hard. He's hanging in there. He's, he's trying to get through all the reps. And then to get hurt like this, it's tough. Iris in Staten Island. What's up, I?
3: Hey, good evening, Larry. And tell you, Rich, Rich is the best man. He's such a thorough guy. All these years, the way he's reported the Jets. But okay, I tell you, I saw the same thing today that Rich saw, and you know, it, it did not look good. You know, Rich spelled it out, and you know what? <laughs> Douglas is in staff—they've they, done such a good job in the off season. And, and the one thing that I would have done differently—you know—we've you, discussed it. I, I would have had a veteran presence, you know, going into camp, you know, in case this type of situation arose. And I feel bad for Beckman. You know, he worked his tail off and, you know, he got some weight off. He, he Actually, as of the weekend, I thought he was the most improved player over the last week. Mm-hmm. And, unfortunately, this happened. And, listen, whatever it's going to cost, if Brown's the guy, just go pay him. I mean, rather, you rather and, – and you know what? I hate to – you know, I know this is not going to sound right – but maybe this is a blessing in disguise because if this happened late October and they were doing well, they would really be in trouble. So if he's out for any significant time and you could plug in a guy like Brown at left tackle, like Rich says, move jo- uh, Fant over to the right side, at least they have a couple of weeks to try to build some type of chemistry so they'll be ready for the opener. Um, it's very unfortunate. I wish them the best, but uh, Douglas and the staff, uh, whatever it takes, even if they have to overpay, they're going to have to get this done. This job done with Brown because they got to bring him in.
1: There's no question. You you have to. He if he's if he is as Samini says the best lineman that's available. He's the lineman that you have to have. And you're right, Ira. But you would think that knowing and Joe Douglas being a former o lineman, you would think that with the you know you need depth on this offensive line. Everybody needs depth on the offensive line, uh, uh, Ira, because you know that somebody's going to get hurt on that offensive line. You know, it's guaranteed, and when you have a guy who's who's been injury who's been going through injuries through his career, Ira, you would think that that would be the priority to have somebody that could back him up, that could play either a tackle or or a guard position,
3: right? And that's why I would have kept Morgan Moses. And I get it; he wanted to be guaranteed a starting spot. And you know what? At that point, Beckton was going through his rehab. I, I would have done it. And you know what? Let them battle it out. But, listen, that's a moot point. You know, you have to move on from that. I think right now, unless, I mean, cackles don't fall out of trees. Brown's the best option out there. Go out there, get this get this done, and, and you move on. Because, you know, to sit and cry about it, it's not going to solve anything. you got to find a solution to the problem right now.
1: No question about it, Ira. Thanks for the phone call. Buddha's in the Bronx. What's up, Buddha?
2: Oh, uh, What's going on, baby bro? Everything's bro. good, I that? Call you, that. you my big bro. I got to call you baby bro. Well, I,
1: listen, I I appreciate anything that says I'm young.
2: <laughs> you are young.
1: Young at heart, baby. Forever listen, young. that was a great photo of your mom.
2: Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, nice she was job. very happy. You know, Saturday night, she wants to go out to eat, man. So let me, so let me post that. She said, I asked you. She said, "Yeah, hey, that's all right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> then you better ask.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know that. She is you. There's, oh, there's three uh, people I find very interesting. Uh, like, there's stories right now that's going on in New York. I mean, you started with the first one, and I don't mean to be the Debbie Downer, you know, or Makai Beckham, but I don't ever remember an offensive tackle that there was this much noise around for three years. You know what, bro? At some point, it is what it is, man. Yeah. The pick was a bad pick for whatever reason. You know, durability, weight, whatever. It's time to move on, man. Huh? We're going to be talking about this for the next five years. Well, this is, this is the year Best is really going to pull it all together. No, he's not. No, he's not. Period. That's yeah. it. You know, like I said, I hate to be a Debbie Downer, but it is what it is. But like with Boom and KD, listen. You know, um, I know you know things are getting tight in the Bronx. You know, you said Boom called the meeting.
1: Closed door meeting. <laughs> the other day?
2: The game. <laughs> Remember the other day? I'm paraphrasing. But he said we've got to get things worked out with Cole. You know, <laughs> yeah. big innings. He's just having these one big innings. You know, you never in your life ever heard him admit or critique any player's issue since he's been here. Nope. You know, for him to do that, that shows you either he's feeling the pressure, or he's trying to make Cole feel the pressure, or like you know they're admitting that they're disappointed with what they're getting for three hundred plus million, which they should be. You understand know yep. what I'm saying? Absolutely. Which they should be. You know, but um. The most interesting story, and I know you haven't done basketball right at this point, but I got to talk about it, man. Go ahead, we're going to oh, do it in a couple of minutes. What's going on? What's going on with KD, bro? <laughs> They're reporting now that he met with Joe Sy. That's he right. reiterated a, a, a request for a trade unless Sy gets rid of Marks and Steve Nash. Yes. Listen, Steve Nash is a no-brainer. I mean, you got to get rid of him anyway, regardless of whatever's going on here. I would have got rid of him already before this. But if I'm side. Why am I getting rid of the GM? First of all, he brought you here. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You probably got three years left, and that may be a stretch with as many injuries as he had. And I love KD. Trust me, and it hurts me to say this. I love KD. I love watching him play. But yo, he's killing his brand, man. And he's making it like almost impossible for the Nets to get a decent trade for him. I mean, what does he think about the big picture?
1: Anything? Obviously not, Buddha. Obviously not. Thanks for the phone call, my friend, because what he's done is he's he's trying to back Joe Psy into a, a corner. And a little over an hour ago, Psy tweeted from his account, our front office and coaching staff has my full support. We will make decisions in the best interest of the Brooklyn Nets. So explain this to me, ladies and gentlemen. I want to hear from you at 1-800-919-3776. And you can weigh in on the Jets and Yankees and Mets as well. How is Josiah going to give in to Kevin Durant? What would that say to the league about who's running things with this team? You mean to say that you're going to allow a player who's under contract with you, who signed a contract with you, with the current coach and general manager there, and he says either the GM, and the coach go, or I go. How can you give in to that? If you're the owner, you can't give in. There's no way you can give in. Even if you wanted to let Steve Nash go now, you can't. Because it's going to it's gonna look like, well, and listen, have players got coaches fired before? Absolutely. There's no question. No question. Players get coaches fired. Players get coaches fired all the time. All the time. Personal requests. All right. Magic got Paul Westhead fired in L.A. Some folks say Patrick got Don Nelson fired here with the Knicks. All right. There's, you know, so coaches have been, there's a number of coaches. I remember questions that uh, Jason Kidd was answering about getting Byron Scott fired. And Kidd's great answer was, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just an employee. (laughs) I don't get anybody fired. So players have been rumored and have gotten coaches fired throughout history on a bunch of teams, in a bunch of leagues, okay? But in this case, when it's been demanded that it's either them or me and you're the owner of the team, how can you do it? You'll put your whole front office With their backs to the wall. They won't know what. There would be no stability. There would be no confidence. You can't do it. I mean, I don't know what it was that set KD off. But for KD, if this is true, to say that it's either them or me to the owner of the Nets, that's tough. I don't know how you do it. And as Buddha said, how do you trade him now? Who's go? What are you going to get for him? Because the perception is going to be, well, they got to move him. They're going to have to move him. They don't want him to stay there. Once again, if this is true, they don't want, they're not going, they don't want him to stay there. So we maybe we can get something. Maybe we can get a deal done that we won't have to give up as much. It is a fascinating situation in a league where people think things have to change with the players having too much control anyway. We'll continue the discussion next.
0: This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN.